So this is a very pressing issue that I, as always, need some input on. Now, you know, you're familiar with the loaf of bread concept. You get a loaf of bread. uh, Depending on what geography you are in, they'll slice it for you. It comes pre-sliced. It's usually a um, a, a hyper rectangeloid. I think. <laughs> I, 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 always, I always forget the word for three-dimensional rectangle. Uh, people always chime in and remind it to me. But exactly, right? That's not a word they teach you in school. Everyone, oh. everyone, knows, everyone knows cube. Right. But yeah. three-dimensional uh, rectangeloid people. Because, yeah, so the, you go square to cube. That doesn't go together. No, no. I think, I think it's, it's something like, like a hyper like rectangle. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so you're you're familiar with loaves of bread, uh, I think. Now, what I want to, I I just ate some lunch. <clears throat> it was a lovely lunch. I had some smoked salmon with a little mayonnaise on one side, and uh, a, a how do you say it? Olive tapenade, like ground up olives Ooh, on the other side. Good. And oh, man, this but, is an extravagant lunch. Go on. But there there are only two slices of bread left in the loaf bag, and I think you know what slices those are. The heels, as yep. we would call them. Now. <laughs> Now my my wife Kimberly does not like heels of bread. There she there's there's something something going on that she doesn't like heels of bread and she believes that the heels of bread are basically like the saran wrap of the bread, right? So you got to leave the heels to yeah, the end. Yeah, yeah. Now I I sort of buy into this. However, I enjoy heels of bread and it's like the first thing I want to eat. Like, you know, you get the loaf of bread especially here in the Netherlands. Madman, did you, did you like pull them off the ends? Now hold hold on. Hold on, Matt Ray. Let me the uh, here in the Netherlands, big bread culture. They love their bread around yeah. here, right? So as I've mentioned many times before, bread is top notch, very quality. Even the cheapest loaf of bread that you get, it's going to be crispy and delicious. Yep. So the first, when we get the loaf of bread, I want to eat the heels right away. What I want to do is I want to want to toast them a little bit, put like almost the same amount of of mass of bread to butter ratio. This probably explains why I've I've gained a lot of weight back. Um, <laughs> But like, I really want to eat those heels, but I don't because I, I, you know, I respect my wife's opinion that the heels are the uh, the saran wrap of the bread. However, this is my question: is so if you leave the heels to the end? Now I made a sandwich with the heels. Strategic question here: Do you have the heel part when you make a, a sandwich out of it? Do you place the heel part out or place the heel part in? Like where where are you gonna face the heel part of the bread when you make a sandwich out, out of it? You're gonna make it out. Yeah, the heel, Always the heel out. stays yeah. out. Because I feel like that's the only acceptable yeah. answer. So the fact that you're asking this question tells me like you must you must you must do be it some in. sort of you must do it in, Kote. That's well, okay. My now I I will reveal what I do, but I I want I want at least one of you to walk through the justification for why why you would do this. Uh, wow, that's a hard to justify. I think it just seems the most natural, right? Because it's already been. You know, I guess it feels like the bread on the inside would yeah, be like, like more. It's uh, like a roll, you more know, fresh. Going, yeah, yeah, like a roll. Sort of like it's it's kind of the if you will when you yeah. open it, it's a little bit tasty, more tasty, and it's it's if it's mixing with your sandwich ingredients. So that's why I would say you you do it. Okay. It okay. So out. you have you have you have the rough part of the bread is touching your sandwich ingredients. Right, like it's on the inside, and the soft part, your fingers are on top of. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, the other way around. Yeah, 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 yeah. other way around. Yeah, right, right. right. Okay, okay. So I was, I was, I was jumping to the next part. Okay, so yes, I always have the crust out. Right. Okay. That's 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 normal. That's what I prefer, Um, and I I think it makes sense. However, it has come up a lot, Uh, and you know, I make the lunches for the kids uh, usually, and my son, he's one of these wants to cut the crust off of bread. 
that's just type, wrong. type of situations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever. The kids, right? And uh, however, many times it's come up that I've needed to make him a sandwich, and I only have the heels left. And so this came up a couple years ago, and what I started doing is in in a, an attempt to make him eat the sandwich because I figure like if he doesn't like the crust. If he sees a heel, I know where this is going. A heel sandwich, he's going to be like, "This entire thing is crust, and not eat it." Right? Mm. And there are mm. there are fewer trivial parts in life that upset me more when, when of course, because our kids don't clean out their own lunch consistently. Like I'll yeah, yeah. open up their lunch and there's like a full sandwich in there, and I'm just oh. like, "God damn it!" Yes. Like now I got to throw yes. this. And I spent so much time in like thinking about folding the ham correctly and spacing it out. You know, like All right, the sandwich. Jump ahead. Jump ahead. Do so, you, you so and I, I do the same thing. That's so I turned, I turned the crust face down to try to kind of like bug out my son, you know, to, to not bug him out, but to fool him into like, you know, yeah. not thinking about the Taking crust. Taking a few and, bites and being like, the sandwich is pretty good. Yeah. And I've been I, tricked. It's a crust sandwich. I have occasionally, if the slice is thick enough, I've even gone through and tried to do like a paper thin slice <laughs> of, of the heel off. So, so that you have that, but wow, that is dedication. But it has, it has, it has enlightened me. I mean, you know, y'all, y'all demonstrated this. Like, it was just like this, uh, this epiphany that I had that you could actually use the heels in that way. And I think, I think that is a a type of um, uh, was it De Bono thinking, a type of lateral thinking. Like, that's a good lateral thinking workshop exercise you can go through. Is like if you're trying to get, you know, you're doing your digital transformation. Uh, whatever you may be doing. You're trying to come up with, yet again, another way to do cost management in infrastructure uh, operations because that development team who did it for, like, you know, virtualization just doesn't know how to use YAML or whatever. Uh, And you go in and you're like, all right, we're going to do a workshop. First thing I want you to consider, what if you ate your sandwiches with the the heel side in? And I think that is really going to open up people's minds to uh, a, a refreshing way to do their OKRs. Today's show is sponsored by StrongDM. Are you still using SSH keys, RDP logins, and database credentials? Do you have a worn-out Post-it note with all your passwords on it? Well, it's time to access your infrastructure like it's no longer 1999. StrongDM is the only modern infrastructure access platform. It creates a seamless, secure, and observable air gap between your staff and the critical infrastructure that powers your company. With StrongDM, you can instantly revoke access to every database, Kubernetes cluster, or server with just a click. You can automatically log every query, SSH, and kubectl command to know who did what, when, and where across your stack. And you can eliminate credentials from end-user workflows to deploy access that's zero trust and least privileged by default. Trusted by the fine folks at Betterment, Peloton, SoFi, and Chime, StrongDM is the only way to deploy secure access controls in a way folks love to use. Don't take my word on it. Check out StrongDM for yourself with a free demo. Sign up at strongdm.com slash SDT. That's strongdm.com slash SDT. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. All right. Well, I think, I think this week there's, there's a great intersection of two, two um, what would you call these? I would, I would almost suggest that these two topics are pretty contemporary, contemporary topics. And that is, one, uh, people messing around with open source to do things that you did not anticipate. And they're not malicious actors. They are the open source people, right? Like, so, and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and then I think the other, the other, the other angle that comes in here, the other great intersection is another topic that's a favorite of ours is that 
the whole money economic system is actually just make believe that that we choose to to accept. And I and I, I want to I want to tie these things together here now. Okay. As 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 always, y'all can fill in the details of things that I leave out. But there is a what what was what was there? There's a was it Mongo? I think I think with with Mongo and a few other open source projects, what with the uh, you know the the, the Russian Ukraine situation, there there's some people trying to uh, you know cut out uh, Russian use of various open source projects and the licenses, right? Well, and, uh, M- M- Mongo was was saying that their SaaS was not available to Russian customers, and I, right, I don't right. I don't think they're alone in that. I think that's you know there are a lot of uh, uh, U.S. based companies that are you know turning off um, access. Or uh, you know, right. res- restricting their Russian uh, users, right? And and so you can even imagine that uh, you know th- this opens up possibilities of like I don't know, you could put something in an open source project that like checked an IP address, and it, oh, it pro- yeah. that was one and, of the and, other and, things. And and hopefully it would use whatever Netflix is doing because you can't fake out Netflix. It's just always like I I know where you are, and, and you know try <laughs> try five other options and uh, yeah, see what you can get Netflix. going. I don't know what they're doing, but they need to stop. That's, they're pretty that's, good at it, but you know yeah. they 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 are not always on top of the game. I'm I'm gonna have to give another shout out to my uh, my VPN provider because I I can watch those Netflix shows from America. You can't and, stop. And it. and so I feel like <laughs> now now what what you also see because of the whole like Russia Ukraine situation is the whole thing like oh we can just turn off the money system for you. Right. Oh, which, yeah, yeah. Which, which, like you know, used in in your favor is fantastic as as is currently being done. But it does, like you know, I, I think it was Cory Doctorow's letter, which always you know goes into the histrionics, who pointed out uh, that like, oh look, see this thing, it's just like some made up norms that we have now, uh, as far as how money flows around the world, and I think I think that idea that there's there's something scurrying around here that I was talking with someone about this morning, and that is like. There are these uh, kind of like which direction you would put the heel of bread, but there's these norms of operation that we don't really even think about until all of a sudden someone's seeing what IP address you're using your database in and just like the software doesn't work. And, and like it kind of brings up this thing of like, yeah, so I mean, I think morally and ethically sounds like a perfectly fine thing to do, but it does like uh, it does kind of introduce this new thing of IT like I don't know, security and architects and people thinking about like, yeah, what if all of a sudden, never mind if there was like a, a security problem or something that needs to be patched, but if like the group of people who work on the software just decided they don't want us to use it anymore. Like you, you could, you could, you could think of. <laughs> I mean, of, it's not just because we're Russian or it's because. Right. You, know, you, you could, you could think you know, of a less, a like less. Australians or. Right. You know. Yeah. You could think of a less geopolitically charged thing where like. You know, what if the core committers for uh, one of the regular expression engines used in JavaScript decided that meat is murder and mm. that any, anyone who wasn't a vegan can't use their regular expression engine and, and they just kind of sabotage it? You know, they do a quick meat check. Uh, is, is meat eater. And uh, if, if, if you're on the meat, the meat check list, then like regular expressions no longer work in JavaScript. Right? So and to your like, point, though, I think this is, you know, what I think people around the world, all the operations people, like this is going into the, you know, the large category of business continuity, right? So you have the geopolitics yes. and war. And then for a long time, the things that were talked about were, you know, natural disasters, right? Like what if, you know, a major earthquake, you know, so there was been, that's been around for a long time. And I think now, I think clearly, right. You know, obviously 
kind of sadly because of this whole Ukraine thing. Um, I think, you know, everyone will be looking at like, okay, well, what does it mean? Like, what are we dependent on? And then what, how do we mitigate that? And I think it's kind of, you know, we talked about it a while back, but you know, I think Matt, you were the one that said something like supply chain, yeah. uh, software supply chain was like, Hey, if you're starting a company, what would you do? And I think this is, you know, you got to think that now goes into that business continuity is okay. What's our software supply chain. And then are we actually, if you will, downloading or like making sure that we have access to all the open source libraries and that we've kind of pinned the versions that we use so that they're not automatically updated or we have a process or if they go offline that we do have our own repository like it just feels like that is now suddenly going to go way up on the list whereas for a long time i think people are just like yeah just download it from github or just download it from whatever npm and it just works and it's like it feels like those days are now completely over Uh, yeah i think i mean I don't think there are a lot of people who are uh, um, feeling rather uh, empathetic towards the Russian cause at this moment, but I, I think there are a lot of people who are yet again reminded you have to work on your software supply chain and you know you have to make sure that at the very least you can maintain all your own dependencies. But um, if you are beholden to external sources, you know you have caching and you know. Uh, bill of materials and you know what's going into your software um because this keeps biting people and and you know it yeah you don't you don't have to be a bad actor for this to bite you right <laughs> and, 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 the solar and, winds uh incident and then yeah. coupled with you know the, the now people kind of watching this um you know the russia ukraine thing is this going to make this has to go like i mean it'd be interesting like next year's cio survey like how high up on the list you know yeah. this kind of software supply chain and business continuity goes but you were going to so, say Kote. I you know, so like like you know it, it got me thinking I w- when I was at uh, I was at a thing in London last week and this idea of uh, of I, I need a better word than threat because that has a lot of proj- negativity to it but I'm going to use it because it means something here that that there's a new type of threat to business continuity and that is like society right <laughs> and and like and and what I mean by that is like you know. If you all remember back in the days after we toured the bread factories and the Old Bay factories, like in the in the 90s, if you wanted to, like, have political protests, like the best you could do is, like, throw a brick through a McDonald's window. Right. That was kind of what, what you were left with. Whereas like Stand up a Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas nowadays, I think it has been demonstrated over and over again that. Uh, you know, because of the internet and the clue train manifesto or whatever, uh, like, you know, you can actually like rally huge groups of people very quickly to do things. Now, sometimes it just fizzles out and they just like change their, their Twitter avatars around, but oftentimes it actually results in something. And so for example, pulling together all this stuff, right? So if you can, if you can shut a whole country off, maybe not completely, but with, you know, shut them off of the money system, Right. And but then you can also just like make it really hard for someone to use your software that they might depending on, you know, the is meat eater scenario like I haven't followed this very closely. But for example, it seems like if you were like, well, that's crazy in Texas, you know, that they like are, you know, doing all this stuff about like transgender kids. So how about they can't use our regex engine anymore in Texas? Like it's you could just basically instead of like having to throw a window out if if you kind of controlled some of these core projects, you could really just like shut down the system of of the various places that you have there and like I don't know that that seems like a pretty good type of protest <laughs> and 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 a, and a pretty good way to uh, to affect things and then and then you could think about all sorts of other like 
I don't know if society is the right word, but like a, a lot of cultural issues where really it's difficult to do something very rapidly. But basically, like if you cut off business continuity, then like people listen a lot faster than if you just like, <laughs> I don't like this, right? Like, and so I, it, it seems like if you were like a, a, an IT person thinking about, you know, business continuity, then uh, that would be pretty good on your list to start monitoring all of this stuff out there and think about like, who are the people involved in the, not only the open source projects, but the actual software that I rely on. Well, and, and, you know, a negative version of this, just to round it out, is like, I was thinking like, you know, a couple of years ago now, when when Stallman was saying all that weird stuff, like thankfully he was like disassociated enough from the open source world as a whole that like there wasn't really that. I mean, I think Emacs has survived. You know, there wasn't that much Certainly. blowback about his stuff. But like, if he had just like invented, I if he if the op- idea of open source had just come up like you know a few years prior to that, then like that like him as a toxic character could have like spiked that whole idea just by I, association. I, I mean, I, I actually, I, I, I think contrary to that, you know, one of the like founding tenets of, of open source of like free software was it was free as in speech. And, and, you know, I think, I don't know, it was the ACLU or whatever who said, you know, I object to, uh, the, you know, the words you use, but I'll, you know, protect your right to use those words. And part of most of the, the open source definitions is, you know, you can't restrict, you can't restrict usage of the software. Mm. Um, you know, you, 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 once you have put restrictions on the software, it's no longer free and open source. So, I mean, you know, the, yeah, the people yeah, yeah. adding these restrictions, like, you know, you have to, um, you know, you can't use it in Russia. Well, it's no longer open source. Um, and, you know, because that software started as an open source license, you're perfectly welcome to fork it and remove any of that, you know, offending code. Ooh. But once once you start restricting usage, um, I mean, people have even, you know, tied themselves into knots around, you know, inoffensive claims like, you know, this software can't be used for evil. <laughs> because your definition of evil, you know, we'll go back yeah. down the philosophy rat hole again, but, you know, your <laughs> definition of evil, is it eating meat, right? And, you know, uh, I don't know, but, you know, to some people that might be. And so you can't put those sorts of restrictions and still call it free software. You can, you can have your own license if you want, but I think, you know, just like free speech, it's, you know, you know, the, you, once you start putting restrictions on it, it's no longer free speech. Software Defined Talk is brought to you by the TraceRoute Podcast. The digital world is fascinating with pivotal events, people, and societal changes that led to how the internet was designed the way it was. And there's a great new podcast that covers this journey. The Trace Route Podcast is a seven-part series about the inner workings of our digital world. I just started listening, and so should you. Episode one is all about how the internet was created and all about interconnection. I learned a bunch of stuff that I didn't know before, including the first message that was ever sent on the internet. Turns out it was the message low. I'll let you listen to the episode to hear why that message was sent and why we may have not solved that problem yet today. Plus, this episode's got a bunch of cool guests, including Jay Adelson, who you may know as the CEO of Dig. Turns out he had a hand in actually helping connect the internet all over the world. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to search right now in your podcast player for Traceroute Podcasts, subscribe, and listen to all the episodes. 
or you can go to origins.dev. Again, that's origins.dev and learn more about the podcast, see all their show notes, see all their guests and all the good things they have to say. What are you waiting for? Go subscribe to the podcast. And of course, we thank them for sponsoring our show. Well, you know, for as much as we complain about scheduling meetings uh, over the years, I still, I, I, fi- I did sign up for a Calendarly account. Calendarly? Is there an R in there? Calendly. Cowardly. No, that's not what we're called. Not a sponsor yet. Because <laughs> I, I, was, I was trying to schedule a meeting with someone out of my organization, and it seems super cool. I mean, it is like, I remember when I saw Calendly. Uh, a while ago, like I was like, oh yeah, it's another one of these things. But uh, I don't know. I've seen them, you know, I've been learning what product-led growth is and I see them pop up as a success thing there. So I guess, mm-hmm. I guess this one's taking off. It would be great in our future of things we're not going to do to do a case study of, of why all the previous ones uh, didn't, didn't work out. I think, didn't BlackBerry buy one of the early calendarly services? I, I feel like there was... You you probably remember Brandon. What was like the first one in maybe the late two thousands that you could use, where you would like vote on scheduling a meeting? Yeah, it was like what was that thing called? It was like yeah, you would vote on it. It was almost like a little game. Uh, I can't. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, I think it's even interesting the way you said it. it's like is it's Calendly. Calendly. There is no R. I guess it's, I'm just checking. Calendly. Uh, that, Calendly. That is tough to say. Maybe easy to say. Uh, to spell but they, to they, sell, they must they to must say. have gone to they yeah. must have gone to the ben thompson school of naming things i think i think <laughs> is where they they got that from but i don't know like i mean your point your earlier point though it's like i've definitely seen it and i think it's definitely been um doodle was that what it's called doodle, doodle. yeah, yeah yes okay so I don't <laughs> also know. a tragic name <laughs> yeah that was that was difficult but I, you know it's funny you're saying it's successful it's like i don't know like i guess doodle had its moment and it's like it kind of feels this Were feels like very similar to me. Like, somewhere. is it really, is it really succeeding, or is it just sort of like you kind of know a few people using it, and and like I don't know. Yeah, Does well, it feel I, like I it's mean, getting I mean, uh, adoption, especially in our world of like you know talking publicly and stuff, right? You'll you'll encounter it a lot, and uh, I I mean I I have to say though that even though here 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 at uh, you know beloved VMware, uh, like the, we we all use Outlook, of course. Uh, and when I was at Pivotal, we used, um, the other one, Gmail. And like, I don't feel like I ever, nor did anyone else ever really use that, like, you know, booking feature that you have when you're all in one calendar, just cause it was, it was, it's, it still is always just like such a weird workflow to go to. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't actually know why, but really? I think you it's... don't use the workflow to, and outlook to schedule meetings. I, Man, I don't I know all, all the time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like the interactions that I have with, I actually do use it, but like people are always asking me like what time I would like to meet. And it's not so much that like, I want them to just fill my calendar, but like, it seems like they they could look at my calendar and say like I see you're available on these times or any of those free, but that conversation just doesn't happen very much. Maybe I'm living a nice life. That's probably <laughs> the, the the end result of it. But but I did like you know the calendar calendar the way of doing stuff was uh, was nice. But anyways, that was all just a a uh, preface to saying it looks like there's another company. Uh, a startup that is going to solve our spreadsheet problems oh, and fi- finally going to, finally going to revolutionize uh, spreadsheets. And, you know, I was reading through this 
this article. I mean, it looks looks great. And I was thinking like, hey, I could do the whole be snarky about this, but I'm going to try to go, you know, when 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 they they go low, go get high or whatever uh, situation here. <laughs> when they um, go low, I'll get high. <laughs> isn't that what wasn't that the, the, yeah, the Michelle Obama? Right. When they yeah, go yeah. low, we go high. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was that I was not been used in reference. I don't to think I said much, we'll but get go ahead, high. Don't <laughs> uh-huh. And so uh, so, you know, first of all, as in with the calendar space, I think anyone trying to innovate in spreadsheets is great, right? Like, like anytime you can get some VC funding to, you know, figure out like uh, innovating there is good stuff. Yeah. And I think, I think when I was looking over, what's it called? Rose, R-O-W-S, not like the flowers. You know, I, I went and checked out their, their site and what they have. And what I thought was interesting is uh, there's, a, there's a ton of integrations that they have. Yeah. And I've been doing a lot of analytics stuff recently where you need to pull in this analytics and I, I do kind of think that, you know, at, at some point when you're doing your Google Sheets or you're excelling, you're doing your spreadsheeting, it really comes down to just like getting the data that you need I mean, mm-hmm. in, in a good format. This is what the data scientists always say is like, I spend a lot of time cleaning up the data, right? And uh, so, you know, that I think is, that's the area that I think, I think, you know, I'm looking forward to. Is seeing how, how, how they, they advance, like, sucking in data. And I'll give you, this is the use case that I currently want to solve for right now. Uh, and, and I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a representative of what I think a lot of people would want to do and how it's conceptually simple and easy to do manually, but very difficult to automate unless you are a programmer. And that is, mm-hmm. if I were to take a video and post it in YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok... I would like a spreadsheet just to tell me the number of views total across all of those things, the number of like views per channel. And then if I use the same like encoded link, you know, that I want people to uh, click on in each of those different mediums, I would like it to say like how many people clicked on that link right now. Right. Right. That, that, that's very easy to gather manually. Uh, but like, imagine just like, having the integrations that automate that stuff together. And like, again, if you're a programmer, super easy, right? Like all of it's, it's built Still in there, tedious. but like, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but that's the kind of thing where like, that's like the level above simply like importing a, a CSV file or, mm-hmm. or even having like, like Google sheets has, and I'm sure Excel this has this, they have a great, like, like a uh, macro that basically will do currency conversion. Right. And, it, and it's updated every 10 minutes. Right. So like that's a fine type of integration. But I feel like maybe what we need more in, in spreadsheet world is like a lot of these like like, you know, 300 common use cases of yeah, just like yeah. stuff people would want to do. And it would basically be like, yeah, go gather analytics for all these video sources. And that's it. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and, and, and you can just do that with a click rather than having to reinvent the wheel or like use well, Tableau or something. Especially, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I was, I mean, I think I was like you when I first saw this, I was like skeptical. I was like, oh, really? You know, Excel has won this. But then they're like the, the two use cases that they, they highlighted were, you know, importing data and making that easy for live stuff and spitting out like, simple websites or, or diagrams. And it's like, mm. I've helped uh, people use Tableau to do that. And it was like, it wasn't that great an experience. And I know how I could do it with Google Sheets, but it's 
not as easy. And so I was like, there's actually a lot of potential here as long as, you know, they have good, um, because the, the, the users they're going after are not going to be like, you know, me. <laughs> I mean, I, I would love to use this kind of stuff uh, if I had use cases for it, but the people doing those new integrations would be people like me. Now, and... maybe, maybe, maybe we can learn something from the Cloud Foundry world, and we can say that what, the, what we want here are opinionated spreadsheets. <laughs> we, we, want, we want, you know, we, we, could, we could move this more into the Kubernetes world where you like, uh, you know, what is it, batteries included? But you can, well, you, I, I never, no, no, I never no, like but, that batteries thing. But, but I, th- like, I, think, I think what people want is, is like the build pack equivalent for their spreadsheets, right? They don't, yes. they don't care how, what's happening on the back end. They don't want to know. They just want to like pull their data in and spit it out and get a web page. Right? All right. Yeah. Well, I hate to uh, rain on the parade here, but I'm gonna oh, rain. All, I'm gonna rain all over <laughs> Rose here. Like, I think first and foremost, I just want to say it's like, and I think you know the conversation you're having there is kind of interesting. It's like one, I posted the link in the the chat here as we're talking. It's like one, you can actually pull in a lot of data from external data sources like databases in Excel. And when you get to like to your point about your analytics question, it's like what you'll find is when people like there's a high value data that people want to do it, they will d- figure out how to basically do the SQL connection and like connect yep. to the database and get everything in Excel. And the reason they do that is because once they have the data in Excel, they have all the tools of Excel. And more importantly, they have all the muscle memory and expertise and they're over the learning curve to, to do anything they want in Excel. So that to me is number one reason that I don't think Rose is going to succeed is that the people that are really interested in this have a lot invested in Excel and being productive. And they were, you know, they're happy to have learned all of this and they're not going to suddenly leave it because these are the people that are paying, right? These are the people that want to pay lots of money because they're doing something like somebody that just wants to like, you know, build a form online. It's like, fine, use free Google docs. I'm not going to pay for this. I mean, that's a very, very small market. So I think one, they've just completely, I don't know, completely but, but missed on that, right? This is like the idea that like this, and also too, the fact that they're kind of taking this consumer approach. It's like, it's been tried so many times. It's like people that want something free have Google. People that need something more sophisticated probably are buying it through their company via Excel and probably have a lot invested in Excel. So you're leaving almost like no space here, right? And then, and then the point about the integrations, it's like if this is important to you, you probably are a more savvy user and you're going to invest yeah. in some tools. So like, you know, who, who's using this? Who's, and more I, importantly, I, who's paying for this? I don't know. People pay for hay, right? Yeah, um, but I mean, that's a tiny – I mean, that, I mean, one, we ought to check in on hay, see what there. But that's, that's just a tiny, tiny oh, little I, market. Oh, I, I right? thought you meant no? like, like horse food. Like, hey, no, 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 you mean the email, right? Yeah, no, so like, listen, if we're just, but that isn't quote unquote, like the tyranny of Microsoft Excel may finally be over. I mean, that's like saying like, hey, he's going to win over all of Microsoft Exchange now. Look, it's like, of course not. Like, of course, he's got 50,000 users and probably super happy, a great business. We'd all take it. But that's, no one's changing their lives. I think think the best use, the the best outcome for these guys um, is, you know, they probably, they get a, a, a rabid, small niche user base, and they get picked up by, you know, a Salesforce or somebody trying to, like, roll them into, you know, their offering mm. to make it better for something. Right, um, and then uh, slowly forgotten about. So that's fine. I mean, that's not a bad outcome. Like, sure, maybe somebody exit, needs, man. you know. I mean, look, I'm okay with it. I think it's – I like – I know to your point, Kote, I like people – trying new things right yeah, I didn't, and like I, the, the, the tableau consumer edition. no but this is what i want like if you're going to take on the spreadsheet world this is what i believe you need to do like you fly to new york city and you go to wall street and you plant yourself 
inside the investment bank, right? And you were like, I'm going to stay here until I understand everything that these people are doing with Excel. And I'm going to make all of their, to your point about common, you know, use cases faster. Because right now there is a teams, I don't know, thousands of very smart MBA people just sitting down, pounding through Excel. They know all the shortcuts. Like if you ever want to be impressed, or I don't know, impressed may be the wrong word, but go look at Excel TikTok, right? And like learn some crazy stuff. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, it's like Emacs on steroids kind of thing, right? And hey, if you want to like sell something to people, be like, here, I'm going to make it a lot easier for you to do all of your analysis, to make your presentations for your pitch books. And we're going to take, you know, instead of having to spend 80 hours a week doing it, for a pitch book, we're going to make that 10 hours a week. So you can do oh, whatever, yes. either eight more. And that, my friends, you got yourself a nice Bloomberg story, right? You're like, you go into Wall Street. They have all those Bloombergs. They pay all that money. They're not getting rid of that. That's what you want to build. Then you've got yourself a very profitable business. So that's that's my advice to Rose. It's like, you're going down the wrong path. Go, go, <laughs> go, go to Wall Street. And uh, go figure out what they need. I, 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 customer facing stuff and become an I've, I've Excel a, macros company. I think I think I think we've come up as always. You know, well, this is some free advice. Uh, three three items in this area and maybe advice. One is we haven't mentioned this, but I feel like what often happens. Like I think this happened with Airtable, and I even see it happening with Miro a lot. Is like a lot of these types of things, they start shifting towards like almost a low code, like make it easy to make simple workflow app things. Right. And, and you could, you know, you see that in the demos here, there's like checkboxes and teams can collaborate on stuff, which is fine. Like, you know, it's often an easy way to like make that application people can use. So that's always, that's always like a plan B to go there. It might be a distraction. Now two, I think, I think what, what could, you're making me think Brandon is their comms people. They probably have an agency they're working with. They need to think about how could we get Matt Levine to write about spreadsheet masters on Wall Street and like how they need a new way to go in there. And you want to, you want to get a Matt Levine column where he's like, so spreadsheets. And he just like does, you know, 3,000 words on spreadsheets and, and how people use them. Now, third, if anyone, if anyone out there, like I, I'm, I'm pretty expensive because I'm older. But I would be I would be totally up for becoming some sort of spreadsheet evangelist, like in the same way that people like I'd have a lot to learn. But that would be part of the fun is like I, I feel like I feel like I would be up for a career change where I basically am just like uh, an Excel advocate. And I just go out there and I'm like, I'm going to pitch a DevOps You're like talk. numbers. We That's right. Put them in rows, you can put them in columns. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll be like, check it out. I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to show you how you can check your email in Excel. Hey everybody, it's me. Today's show is sponsored by Postlight. Postlight is a strategy design and engineering firm, and they want you to subscribe to their podcast. After all, who wouldn't want you, a quality listener and person, to subscribe to their podcast? The show is hosted by Postlight co-founders Rich Ziotti and Paul Ford. You may remember Paul from his famous Bloomberg article, What is Code? Now that's the first article I think I read, where I noticed there was a bunch of those little whiz doodles moving around as you read it. Now, hopefully you also remember Paul as writing all sorts of other great articles under the, uh, I don't know, F-Train moniker, his uh, Twitter handle and blog name, URL, whatever. The Postlight Podcast is a weekly no BS conversation. That's a phrase you'll have to look up uh, about what's happening in tech, business, ethics, and culture. A few of the recent guests include Clay Shirky, product discovery coach, Teresa Torres, and software-defined talk favorite, 
Chief Cloud Economist Corey Quinn. The show touches on topics like the power of naming your initiatives, agency product management, programming in Python, and creating more efficient meetings. I'm pretty sure everyone can do better at least two of those. Plus, there is plenty of other discussions on everything from parenting to living in New York City. New episodes every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast. For more information and to see all episodes, visit postlight.com slash podcast. So why don't you open up your podcast listener, go search around for it, take a listen. I always enjoy the episodes. They're fun. They open up with a good old cold start, like some podcasts you might be familiar with, maybe even listening to. They're nice and uh, humane and uh, informative. They've got, they've got some great theme music, too. And of course, we thank Postlight for sponsoring our show. Well, Brandon, do we have any bureaucracy this uh, week? Not a ton of bureaucracy. I did want to uh, mention that, uh, unfortunately, you know, schedules were difficult. So Cote will not be uh, at the that conference, but Software Defined Talk will be at that the that conference. So what we're going to do is myself and our good friend, no SSH JJ, we're going to be there. We're oh. going to record a live episode. We'll probably find some guests. Um, I don't know. We're going to find some way to do some kind of meetup. Maybe that'll just be us like talking after the conference with listeners. Maybe we'll do something in a bar, buy some drinks. I don't know what, what we're exactly we're going to do, but we're going to be there. JJ and I are going to be there. That's going to be in Round Rock, Texas. And uh, we've been talking about it, but if you want to be notified of any types of these meetups, which may just be uh, come to uh, have some free drinks at a happy hour, that may be the first meetup we do. What I'd like you to do is you can register uh, to be invited to those. Just click the link in the show notes and uh, give me your information. And uh, we'll add you to you know the list of any type of meetups we do. So make sure to see JJ and I at Round Rock. And if you're not in Texas, that's not going to work for you. Just register uh, on there and I'll make sure we send you so that when we come to your area or we do something virtually, you know, you can be invited. Mm. That would, that's, that's a good idea. We should look at the geographies cause you know, I'm starting to travel more and boy, there's nothing I would like to do more than host a meetup. I'll tell I'll tell you what, but that, that might be actually enjoyable. Well, uh, you know, I will, I will, even though I won't be there, I will be in Austin for uh, DevOps days, uh, which, which will be nice. Uh, I need to figure out when, when I'm speaking there. I think they emailed something. Uh, but there's other conferences next week. Actually, this morning I was talking with some of the people who will be presenting at our .NET Beyond conference, which is free to attend. It'll be streamed uh, March 30th to 31st. That's two days. And uh, I found out that I'm not, I am not only emceeing two talks, but, you know, we're going to do a little conversational thing. So I'll be talking with some people. And one of the talks that I'm going to be emceeing is this guy who's going to... Uh, uh, hack into Kubernetes, so that should be fun. And then the next one is is get this, just a little preview. It's the the story of of a team of people who who modernized a Silverlight application. So I think I think that is going to be that's the hey presto spicy meatball right there. That's that's going to be good <laughs> stuff. Uh, but that uh, if you just search, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash three fifty, and you can find a link to the .NET Beyond conference. Y'all should attend that. There's many other conferences, several DevOps days coming up. I'm going to be in Chicago uh, April 26th and 27th because we have a spring tour Chicago there. You can also go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 350 to find that. There's a MongoDB World. Splunk has a conference uh, in June as well. And then finally, of course, in December, there will be the Spring One Platform uh, conference. I was realizing that is a long flight from Amsterdam. So I need to sort that out because that Good doesn't time. sound pleasant. Yeah, I don't know about that. But uh, it would be nice to actually... I haven't been to San Francisco in a long time. I I hear it's been doing great. Uh, what With that, 
Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend this episode? Well, uh, as uh, listeners, uh, longtime listeners may know, I like uh, I like my my nature documentaries, and uh, <clears throat> my recommendation this week is Secrets of the Bull Shark. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, the the reason I I like to recommend uh, uh, any nature documentary is whenever I see something new, and so uh, this uh, this this uh, documentary did not disappoint. I got to see hippos attack a shark. Whoa! <laughs> exactly, that was my response. Was whoa? Wait, wait, I've wait, never wait. seen that before. How would a shark get in hippo exactly. territory? You have to watch and find out. I mean, it must be on the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to spoil it. The east National coast Geographic. of Africa. Oh, very, very good, Cote. Very good. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, yeah. It's uh, it takes place uh, Mozambique and uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, really? yeah. I, I, hey, I don't. Have you seen this? No, but you know, my my son. Uh, I mean, he still is. But at one point, he was totally into sharks. And what you learn is that there are sharks that like swim up the Amazon. And and like you know things like that, and I don't know yeah. stuff like that. So you know, yeah, absolutely, just... that's that's what's going on here. And uh, the hippos were having none of that. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, it's over on uh, the old Disney Plus National Geographic special. Good stuff. Yeah, hippos are mean motherfuckers. They, they <laughs> they're not going to put up with shit. They're like, let me eat my grass in peace. Uh, yep. Yeah. All right. How about yourself, uh, Brandon? What do you have to recommend? Well, last week uh, I was on vacation, so thanks to uh, Cote and Matt for holding on the fort. And one of the things we did, uh, we went to Disneyland. I am personally not a huge uh, amusement park person, although my wife and son love it, I, which uh, probably a topic for another show. I was like, I don't know. Why don't I get the juice? Why don't I love it as much as everyone else? But anyway, while I mm. was there uh, enjoying it with my family, I did. Uh, we did the Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. So it's like kind of a new attraction. Uh, and it was pr- it was really well done. It was something very unusual. I'd never really kind of done anything like that before. It's very immersive. So you kind of feel like you're part of the resistance and you sort of, it's a really fun action packed ride, but they do anyone that's seen star Wars, even, I think even a little, even a, a low interest person, it's, it's sort of, uh, the way that they take you through it and the way Disney kind of takes you through it, it was definitely worth it. So it's super crowded, you know, luckily my son and my wife, they had a whole strategy about how to like navigate the park. Uh, we got like the Disney uh, genie thing, which I highly recommend as well. So you got to get there early, you know, and if you do uh, do Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, definitely worth worth the trip. How, so, you how, know, oh, how was Captain ahead. EO? What was what, what, uh, what, what? <laughs> with figment? With that was that was my favorite when was I that, went there long ago. Was that Pirates? Which one is that? I don't even Cap, know. Pirates. Captain EO, the Michael Jackson one. Oh, I don't know. Or he's not, a space no guy. comment. I think, I think I, that was the one that replaced it. Yeah, I don't know. That's I, that was not on the itinerary. No, no idea. I have no idea. I didn't even know what the reference was. I was like, "What are you talking about?" So. Wow. Well, that, you know, I I think that would be a good maybe streamers only conversation or after show at some point. Brandon is like, I I've been thinking a lot about. I think in the past few years, I've finally figured out the API for amusement park enjoyment, and and it's just mm. uh, I still don't quite have it ironed out, but I feel like I'm close. To just like have, having a good time. Well, maybe we could leave it there. Like, we'll just leave it as like, I just think sometimes it's interesting when like, there's lots of people that are into something, right? And I'm sure there, there's something like maybe there's something in my life or your life, like, something you're into that other people aren't, maybe in your family, right? So you have to like, you're, you're on both sides of it. Maybe it is, maybe it's success. But sometimes like when like you're at Disney, it's like so many people are so into this. Like, it's like borderline cult, right? And I'm just like looking around. It's like, and I, I try to enjoy it through my family, but I'm like, 
I'm not like, I don't get the, like the excitement everyone else does. So I do sometimes look around like, man, something's wrong with me. I need to like, I wish, <laughs> I wish I enjoyed it. Like, I wish I just was like, I want to go by myself and spend 24 hours in their park. I'm like, no way would I go by myself. So mm. anyway, topic for yeah. another day, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll do that in the, uh, the therapy podcast somewhere else. That's right. We'll sort it out. Well, my recommendation, my, my recommendation, I haven't finished reading it, but I started reading another uh, Graham Greene novel. Uh, I picked up some books while I was in London because they print books in English there, very handy. And uh, it's called The Confidential Agent. Confidential Agent. And I'm only halfway through, so hopefully it doesn't turn into something that I wouldn't recommend. But uh, if, if you read the, uh, when you read uh, Mr. Green's, I wonder if people called him that, Mr. Green. When you read Mr. Green's uh, introduction, uh, as he says, this is the, the first and last book. He, does, he uses a more clinical term for it, but the first and last book that he wrote on speed, uh, which is always fun to see how that the compare and contrast. I think it's Benzedrine. I mean, that's basically speed, right, if, if yeah. I remember. And, uh, and I, as, the, as the literary foreword in front of his preface said, that probably accounts for how it's kind of like a spooky, weird book. Uh, unlike his other books, which are only slightly spooky, but definitely never weird. And sure enough, it is kind of like, a, I don't know, foggy <laughs> and disjoint. So uh, it's quite enjoyable to read. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense in places, but that's okay. Uh, so with that, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com. If I was Brian Butterworth, I would say software, define, talk, full stop, C-O-M. Call now. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. You know, Matt, I think you are ready for retirement. Have you considered retirement? Oh, I'd be like, so good at it. I feel like you would thrive in retirement. But the thing is, like, my, my dad's retired, and I'm like... Hold on. Do we really start, start? Now I'm confused. No, no, not yet, not yet. Okay, all right. Cause okay, you, all right, guys, all right. No, no, we can keep doing it. I just want to make sure. Like, that was just some thing. after show, Brandon. We always do the after show. I know, we do. I just, well, I was afraid that I was like, oh, did I miss it? Did we start, start? Anyway. No. Well, no. Just go on, Matt. All right, I'm ready for retirement, too. Why is only Matt ready? How do I get promoted into being ready for retirement? That's <laughs> you, bullshit. You haven't worked on your career track enough. You're, you're like, you're at, you're at a. I have uh, a lot e, of jobs. E, I've done a lot of jobs. Well, Brandon, you're good, at a you're bad. at an E nine level, and I feel like Matt Ray is at an E E eleven level. Oh and my so gosh, his, uh, that's you know, is he, that good? I don't his, even his, know. Uh, his OKRs last year more were working towards this. Oh, jeez, so. <laughs> it's, it's unfair. I assume that all of us, having been elementary school students in Texas, took a tour of the Mrs. Baird's factory. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I know we have to go. Otherwise, I do it. Not, I did not go to elementary school in Texas. So that's a whole other issue. Oh, that's All right. true. You, you go podcast. to the, 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 the Old Bay factory tour? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and there is the after show, my friends. All right, the Old Bay factory six? tour. And, then... and this is where we mix the paprika and the salt. <laughs> that, is a, that is a software-defined talk deep cut right there. Like, there are five people that get it. But it's funny. I'm going, it's going in.